0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I just remind you that um, those kids are going to grow up into adults, right? And that's the next generation followers of Jesus Christ. So We pour everything we can into those kids and uh, try to teach them truth and, and just pray the Lord uses them. So as we're kind of finding our seats and, and moving around to settle back in, I'm going to pray for us as we begin this morning. Father, we thank you for this last week. We thank you for all you've accomplished with these kids, Lord. We thank you for all you've done in this church. When I pray for our time together this morning as we open the truth of your word, I pray you would just speak very clearly to us. Lord, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we would be um, convicted, Lord, and, and just changed and shaped and molded more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Yeah, VBS week for us is always uh, a lot of excitement. Philip said I would give you some of the numbers. The numbers he gave me, including our workers and children, we had over 350 here this week for VBS. That's an awful lot of uh, people volunteering to make this thing happen between our preschoolers and our children and all the way up through our students. As Philip said, 24 children either prayed to receive Christ or are going to be taking our new Christians class. And if you don't know, we offer a new Christians class to any child that has accepted Jesus Christ or is asking questions and kind of unsure about salvation. And so we go through a process with their parents, talking about discipleship, help those kids understand exactly what it means to be a believer and explain baptism and the Lord's Supper to them. It's it's a phenomenal thing to do. And I just want to tell you, too, uh, if you don't already know it, Philip McClung does an amazing job with our kids. Uh, I think. One of the things you need to understand about these 24 kids that uh, were asking questions about Christ is Philip spoke to each one of those kids personally and made sure they understood what salvation was, made sure that he could answer any of their questions, and so you continue to be in prayer for that ministry and all that God has for us at this church. So let's take our Bibles and open to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10. As many of you are probably aware, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go to South Asia and do some mission work and really more than anything else, just observe all the things that, was, that were happening there and the work of the Spirit and the work of the Lord. And I came back not only amazed, but convicted. I was convicted by the level of dedication. I was convicted by the level of service of those believers where we were for those few days These are followers of Jesus Christ that have been willing to give up their family. They've been willing to give up their home. They've been willing oftentimes to give up their safety simply because they're interested in following Christ. And so we came back and have processed and thought through and prayed through and you begin to see these sorts of people and you begin to hear their stories and you ask the question, as I asked a couple of weeks ago, what do they have that we don't have? What are they doing that we're not doing? And I think if if we're not careful in America, and I'm going to speak very carefully here because I'm certainly not speaking about any one church, but if we're not careful in America, it's very easy for us as followers of Jesus Christ and as local churches to make it a little too complicated. We think we've got to come up with fancy strategies and church growth models and we've got a cast vision and and all those things are important there's a there's a place for those things i'm not saying they're wrong but if we're not careful we set aside sometimes the simplicity of the scripture because we think well it couldn't really be that easy right And so we sat there over those few days and listened to these church planners and kind of heard their stories and saw how they studied and saw their model. And they based a lot of their model off of Luke 10, which we're going to study this morning actually for the next couple of weeks. But I was amazed because as they taught this and they studied it, they listened and they paid attention and they followed this model as if it would really work. How amazing is that? I think sometimes we see the truth of this scripture, and we're going to read through this again this morning. You've probably read this a hundred times, and if you're like me, you have to be careful because sometimes we read this and we think, Lord, it's just not quite that easy. I wish it were. I wish we could just do it like the gospel says, Lord, but we need to do other things. We We need to be fancier. We need to be a little more complicated, but the truth of the matter is this. These people in Asia are following this model, and guess what? It's working. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are coming to know Christ because of the faithfulness of these men and women of the gospel. So we're going to take a look this morning at Luke chapter 10. This is the model they used, and so here's the way it's going to play out for us. We're going to read through these first 12 verses, and then we're going to focus this week on the first couple of verses, and over the next several weeks, we're going to kind of walk through this model of Scripture to allow the Lord to speak to us. Let me just give you a little clue of where we are in this passage of scripture. Christ has already explained to his disciples that it's time for him to go back to Jerusalem. He's willingly at this point walking back to turn himself over to the chief priest. He's going to be arrested. He's eventually going to be beaten and crucified. And then, of course, you know the story of the resurrection three days later. But we pick up the story in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. I think we have the scripture force as well on the screen. After these things, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not even greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God has come near to you. But you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than it is for that town. Now there's some truths I want to pull out of this and think through this morning. And there's some things we need to understand about this text of Scripture. Here's the first point I want to make, and I think it's going to, form a foundation as we move forward in this text today and over the next couple of weeks. Number one, the truth that Christ gives us is this. There is great need. There's a great need. And I'm very fearful for the state of the local church in our context today because I think it's very easy for us, if we're not careful, to be so focused on our own lives and so focused on what we're supposed to be doing that we miss all of the need around us. Now, we've seen at our church over the last couple years the need all around the world. We've seen the need in Guatemala firsthand. We've seen the need in Zambia firsthand. We've seen the need in South Asia firsthand. We've seen the need in Romania, and we've got a group that's leaving for Romania very soon. We're going to see the need in Brazil firsthand, this group that's going to be leaving here in just a few days. We've got a group going to Alaska. They're going to see the need firsthand. There's need all over the world, but here's the truth I think we need to take this morning and begin to process and think through. Not only is there need all over the world, but there is great need here in Troot County. And I'm fearful that if we're not careful, we kind of fall into this trap. We need to guard against this. We can never become the church that's interested in sharing Christ with the nations, but fails to share it with our own neighbors. We can't be the church that's so excited to go all over the world that we forget there are literally people across this town that don't yet know Jesus Christ. Now, a few years ago, we had one of these demographic studies done, and, and different organizations do these. The Georgia Baptist Convention will do one for you, and they kind of base this study on the latest census numbers, and then they kind of make some assumptions based on these numbers, and they give you some statistics. And so we ordered this demographic study and it came back with all the different information about the numbers of houses and the different people that live there and their education and so on and so forth. But it was interesting to me because as you look through these numbers, the Georgia Baptist Convention estimates that in the population area where we're in, approximately 70% of the people that live in this area are unbelievers. Now let's clarify that just to be sure what we're talking about. Just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean they're a believer, right? Just because they grew up in a church doesn't mean they're a believer. Just because their grandmother took them to church when they were young doesn't mean they're a believer. All those things are good and all those things are important, but we need to be very clear, especially in the Bible Belt, just because someone has done those things doesn't make that person a follower of Jesus Christ. And so if you understand the number of the people that live in our area and you believe that approximately 70% of those people are unsaved, that means within a 20-minute drive of our church in any direction, there are 30,000 people that don't yet know Jesus Christ. 20-minute drive in any direction. 30,000 people that don't yet know Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord's done a great work in our church as far as missions are concerned. We have already gone to the nations. We're going to continue to go to the nations. We're going to continue to fuel that fire. But I think it's awfully important that we come to grips with the fact that there's great need here in our community. And we better be careful not to turn a blind eye to all the people around us that desperately need Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord tells us this in this text. In fact, He says something here that's true in the first century, that's been true every century since, and it's true in today's world. He tells his followers that the harvest is plentiful. There's great need, right? We see that. And we celebrate that. There are people that don't yet know Jesus. There's, there's an opportunity for us then to reach literally thousands of people for Jesus Christ. We should see that as an incredible opportunity. But here's the problem with that, Jesus tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but you fill in the gap. The workers are what? Few. Jesus said the problem isn't that there are people out there. There are thousands upon thousands of people out there. The problem is there aren't enough workers to go share Christ with them. I think the failure of so many churches in our society is that they get too focused on what happens inside the four walls of their own building. And and what happens in here is important. We can't minimize that. We come together and we study and we pray and we share Christ and we do all the things the Lord's called us to do in worship, those things are very important. But the point of us coming together is so we can be refilled in our spirits, walk back out into the world and share Jesus Christ with those that are lost. That's the point. We can't get so focused in here that we forget about all the Lord is doing out there. I've got a slide I want to show you. And I think, Wanda, you're going to bring that up for me. Yeah. This is a population clock. If you've never seen a population clock, it ticks off. The number of people that are being born and added to our planet every single second. Now, on the left is the U.S. population. On the right is the world population. Now, you can see at the bottom left-hand column there, one birth every eight seconds. And that little graph, every time it gets to the end, another person is born. So, baby born, right? There you go. The next one is death. So, every 13 seconds, somebody passes away. One international migrant every 38 seconds, right? So, we're adding to our numbers there as well. That's a net gain of one person every 13 seconds. You can kind of see the numbers tick off there on the U.S. population. The world population obviously is a lot faster. You see how fast it's ticking off. That's a net gain. That includes the births and that also includes the deaths. And you can see the top 10 most populous countries in the world. How the Lord's working in those countries is pretty amazing if you begin to see those. But here's the thing I want you to understand. and I want you to kind of think through just for a second. If we look at statistics of the Southern Baptist Convention in the last year, we baptized about 315, 320,000 people. 315, 320,000 people came to know Christ through the efforts of all the Southern Baptist Convention churches in the last year. That's a good number. It's down a little bit from where it ought to be, where it's been in the past. That's an awful lot of people coming to know Christ. But watch this. If we're adding a person, like they say, according to these numbers statistically... Every 13 seconds. That means that in a day in our country, we're increasing by about 6,600 people. That means in a year, we're increasing by about 2.4 million people. Now, if you do the math, if we've reached about, let's say, 350, 400,000, that's a little higher, those numbers are a little inflatable, it'll make the math easier. And 2.4 million people are being born every single year. That means we're losing ground every single year to the tune of 2 million people. You understand what I'm saying there? We can't keep up with the population growth only reaching the number of people we're reaching. You know, statistically, it still takes something like, I think, 45 or 50 Southern Baptist Convention church members to reach one person every year. Statistically, now, that's across the board. Some churches are doing better than that. That means it takes 50 of us to reach one person for Jesus Christ in a year. When you begin to notice this population clock and you begin to think about how quickly this thing is ticking, we're losing ground rapidly. And so even though we celebrate what we've accomplished in the past and we celebrate all the Lord is doing, we understand that the harvest is plentiful and there are not nearly enough people going out into the fields to share Jesus Christ. Thank you, Wanda. You can take that down. So what's the point? Well, the point is God's called us to do something about it, right? There's a great need You have to be blind not to understand there's a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ all over this world. But I want you to look at verse 1 and see what Jesus does. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. So here's the second truth. Not only do we recognize that there's a great need, but truth number two, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for us. We must be involved in the process of reaching the lost. We must be involved in the process of reaching the lost. There's no place in Scripture for the Christian who just settles in and never does anything. It's not in the Bible. Your call is not to accept Jesus Christ and buy your fire insurance so one day when you died, you can be assured eternity. Now, we should be excited about heaven and eternity. That's the prize that waits us if we're faithful. But the calling of a believer is to accept Jesus Christ. And when you accept Jesus Christ, that's the beginning of the journey for you. I think about these kids, these 24 kids that accepted Christ or that, that showed interest, a good number of them accepted Jesus. For those kids, you need to understand, we celebrate that because that's an incredible thing in their life and the Lord's working in their hearts. But as far as their Christian walk is concerned, that's the beginning of their journey. It's not the end. We don't celebrate as if it's over. We celebrate as if this is an incredible thing the Lord has done. Now, what is he going to do with them in the course of their life? How's he going to use them? How's he going to mold them? How's he going to shape them? See, it's kind of interesting as you study this text and we begin to see this need. Sometimes we we kind of come to this conclusion in our hearts. Well, there's great need. I get that, yeah. There's thousands of people that don't know Jesus Christ. But isn't that, some of us would say, the job of the church leadership to fear Christ? Adam, isn't that your job? Isn't that the job of the staff? Isn't that the job of the deacons and maybe the the Sunday school leaders? Isn't that their calling? Well, first of all, the answer to that question is absolutely that's their calling. Absolutely that's what they should be doing, but it can't stop there. See, what's interesting to me about this text is Jesus didn't just send out his apostles. He didn't just send out his 12 leaders. He sent out a large group of people. A large group of disciples, and he gave them the task of going into these towns and sharing Christ. I need to remind you, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, Jesus speaking about the cost of following him said this, Whoever wants to be my disciples, right? Not just the leaders, not just the pastors, not just the deacons, not just the Sunday school teachers. Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. See, here's the bottom line about this text and what the Lord is saying to us. We need to take responsibility for our actions as related to the kingdom of heaven. We cannot and should not assume that other people are going to take up our slack. God has called every believer to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. And I can already hear what some of you are saying and what some of you are thinking. I've heard this from people. Adam, I can't, I can't go to this place and share. I can't go to Zambia or Romania. I can't go to Alaska. I can't do these things for these reasons. And sometimes they're very valid reasons. I get that, and I'm not going to argue with people. That's between them and the Lord. But here's the point. You don't have to get on an airplane to be a missionary. You don't have to drive hundreds of miles to share Jesus Christ. You can share Christ with the person that lives next door to you on a Friday afternoon if you want to. It's that easy. I've been talking a lot this year about missional living. I've used that word a lot. And I hope at least by this point you recognize the word. (laughs) I've heard that word before. I want to think just for a minute with you again about missional living. Because I think this speaks to the heart sometimes of of the person. that says, I can't go to Zambia. I can't go to Romania. Well, you can be missional right where you are. Missional living, we've defined it like this. It's the adoption of the posture, thinking, behaviors, and practices of a missionary in order to engage others with the gospel of Christ. It's simply living like a missionary every moment of every day. How can I behave in such a way that I can reach people for Christ? How can I pray in such a way that I can reach people for Christ? How can I live? How can I have an attitude? How can I think? How can I have a certain posture that will lead people to Jesus Christ? And so we've given you kind of what the DNA of a missional person ought to look like. We've got these on the, on the screen. I want you to look at these. I'm just going to go through these very quickly. To be missional, you must first be a true believer, right? We, we need to start there. You can't share what you don't have. So it starts with a, a, a foundation in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. But here's the second. To be missional, you must be aware of missional needs. Here's what we've said. You need to begin to recognize the need around you. We get so focused sometimes with our... our schedules and our to-do lists, and baseball practice and meetings and all the things that we have to do and those things are important we get so focused on those things sometimes that we, we, we negate and we miss the need around us we forget the fact there are 30,000 people within a 20 mile driving radius of this church that don't yet know Jesus Christ and so the first thing we ought to do if we're going to be missional is just recognize the need, there are people all around me there's a guy that works with me that's not a believer you may say There's a neighbor that lives two doors down that I know is not a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a lady at the ball field who brings her son. I know she's having some problems at home, and sometimes I just wish I could talk to her. You need to begin to recognize those needs. Lord, help me see the need around me. Here's the third thing. To be missional, you ought to be spirit-led. So you begin to recognize the need. Yeah, there's that guy, now that I'm thinking about it. I hadn't really considered this, but now that I'm thinking about it, there is that guy that works next to me that I'm pretty sure is not a Christian. In fact, we've had some conversations over the years and I'm pretty sure he's anti-Christian. So the next step for you is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Right, Holy Spirit, guide me, direct me. Maybe the Spirit directs you to be bold and just walk up to that person and share Christ. Open the Bible and share Jesus. Maybe the Lord says, Just go, just go love that guy. Maybe the Lord says, show up at his house Saturday morning with a, with a, with a rake and a, and a lawnmower and do his lawn, right? Just love him in the name of Jesus Christ. Just figure out what the Lord's called you. Well, Lord, what are you calling me to do? How can I engage this person on a spiritual level in the name of Jesus Christ? And fourthly, to be missional, you need to be, after you've been spirit led, you need to be an initiator of missional opportunities. In other words, you, you begin to recognize the need, right? You're praying about what you do about those needs, and then you initiate it. How many of us have walked through this scenario in our life? We, we, we've recognized the need somewhere. Maybe we've even prayed about it. We've sensed the Lord speaking to us and then we never do anything with it. Don't raise your hand, but I'd be raising mine often, right? Lord, I've done that. I wish I could have, I should I have said that to that guy. I should have reached out, to, I should have loved that person. I should have shared Christ with that person. See, at some point we've got to recognize, I, I see the need, I'm allowing the Lord to lead me, I've got to do something about it, right? I've got to actually follow through and share Christ or pray with that person or have a conversation with that person because the Lord's not going to use me if I'm not willing to do something. Then, Finally, number five, to be missional, you need to partner with like-minded believers. You need to see the need, you need to allow the Spirit to to lead you in those needs you need to be intentional about meeting those needs then you need to find other people that want to be involved I promise you there are other people that the spirit is speaking to in the same way there are other people that have the same passion that you have you need to find those people get involved with those people do do work with those people now some of you are saying listen I hear that I've heard that I know that it's all true my problem Adam is I don't know really where to start I mean I just don't know where to start if you could kind of Kind of prime the pump a little bit for me, Adam. And give me some opportunities to maybe serve in a missional context, then I think I could kind of pick this up and run with it. Okay, well, let me give you some opportunities. We have a lot of things going on this summer. It used to be that summer was a time of relaxation. Now summer is the busiest time of year. <laughs> Starting with the first week of preparing for VBS until the summer's over, there's something going on every week whether it's a camp or a mission trip or some sort of a mission opportunity. So I'm going to give you three very clear ways you can be involved this summer missionally. Number one, you can serve at Camp Viola. Camp Viola is from June the 22nd through the 26th. Camp Viola is a camp we put on for local underprivileged kids that probably won't get a chance to go to a camp normally and probably won't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ presented to them. So we'll have 40 or 50 kids that'll show up. They'll spend the night at camp. All our church feeds them. We pay for the whole thing. We share Jesus Christ with them. We try to plant a seed in the hearts and the lives of those little kids. You can serve at that camp. won't cost you a penny. All you got to do is drive to the camp. That's it. You can come talk to me about it. You can see Tracy Crane. Tracy, are you in here? She's here. I've already seen her today. Let's talk to Tracy about it. She's heading that up this year. You can volunteer at Campbell. That's a way you can be missional very simply right where you are this summer. Here's another opportunity, a van ministry. You guys probably know Terry and Tiffany Posey. They're sitting in the back right there. Terry, raise your hand. You can't see, but he's got on his tuxedo t-shirt. He got real dressed up for us this morning. I told him I was going to talk about the van ministry. These guys have a heart for children. So what they've been doing on their own time is driving their own 15-passenger van to pick up kids and bring them to church. That's what they do. Last week on one night of VBS, they brought 30 kids with a 15-passenger van, a Suburban, right? Tahoe. I said, how'd that happen? He said, we double-buckled. All right, well, (laughs) I won't tell if you won't, I guess. (laughs) Here's the point. We need help. Every Sunday morning, they have to veer off from coming to church. And you may see them coming in late with all these kids. You know why they're late? Because they got to turn around and go get some of the kids that just called them. Hey, can you come get me? Yeah, we'll come. So they stop. They turn around. They go fill them in the gaps in the back seat somewhere, I guess. They bring them to church. How many kids within that 20-minute driving radius don't know Jesus Christ? How many of those kids would be in this church if we just go get them? I mean, I've said this before, and I mean this with all my heart. I think we've got the best preschool ministry around, bar none. And I know about a lot of preschool ministries. We are solid with the Word of Jesus Christ. Those kids are hearing the gospel presented. Now, the model in scriptures that their parents would share with them. That's the model. But there are an awful lot of numbers of kids that don't have that opportunity at home to hear their parents share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? Let's bring them to church. We'll share it with them. All you got to do to be missional is decide you're going to drive your car to some kid's house and pick them up, and bring them to church. We're going to make it real easy for you. You don't even have to do anything when you get to church. You can literally hand them off to the children's department. When everything's done, you do what you got to do. You go pick them back up, you drive back home. It'll take you three minutes maybe to veer off your normal course, drive in the driveway, pick them up, and come home. We'll find a kid on your way. You don't have to go out of your way. You can be missional right here in LaGrange by driving your vehicle and picking a kid up, bringing them to church. It's that easy, it's just real simple. You can serve Mission Lagrange. Mission Lagrange is June the July the 6th through the 12th. You probably noticed all the big sticky notes on the Breezeway glass windows as you walked in this morning and last week. We're having people sign up. You just basically walk up, you see those little sheets, you sign your name. We got things like Backyard Bible Club. We've got prayer walking. We've got prison ministry, Crisis Pregnancy Center, nursing home, construction, on and on the list goes. You say, Well, you know, I work during the day. So I, well, you can serve at night. We have things going on at night. You say, "Well, I work thirty. If we well, can serve during the day, we got stuff going on during the day too, right?" You say, "I can't do a whole lot. You can prayer walk." You say, "My back's bothering me. You can prayer drive." <laughs> you can get on public transportation and they are driving you. I don't care. We just want you involved. We want you to do something. I don't want you to get to heaven and the Lord say, "What are you doing?" You're here, but barely, right? I mean, I, I mean, all the things I provide, all the opportunities I gave you to serve, look, the field is white with harvest. Why are the workers so few? Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Christ says we need to go out and reach people for Christ. We need to be missional. We need to love people in the name of Jesus. Now, as we finish up, verses 1 and 2 again, I'm going to finish up with this. So he pointed these 72, he sent them out two by two into all the towns in verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, we've seen this already, but the workers are few. Now I want you to watch what the Lord asked these people to do at this point. He told them, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's the third truth. Not only do we recognize need, not only do we get plugged in in some way, but number three, we need to be praying for the lost. Christ says, you need to pray that people will go and share Christ with these people that have never heard. It's not about the numbers of people that need Jesus. It's not even really about the opportunities to serve. What it is about is the apathy of people that won't go. So you need to pray for them. And So I ask you the question, the question I kind of ask myself as I study through this text, how often do I pray for the lost? I pray for family. I pray for needs. I pray for all sorts of things, as we all do, and those things are important. But how often are we praying for those that don't yet know Christ? When was the last time you prayed for your neighbor that you knows an unbeliever? When was the last time you prayed for that coworker that you know doesn't know Jesus Christ? When was the last time you prayed for that person you see every single week at the ball field, and you're just not quite sure they've ever even been in a church? Christ says, you need to pray that the Lord would send out the workers because the need is great. I want to finish with a story about Hudson Taylor, a very famous missionary to China. He was witnessing one day on a a little boat in a river to a Chinese man who was listening intently and hearing all that Hudson Taylor told him. And he was convicted, but he wasn't quite ready to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. If you've ever been in that conversation with somebody, it's kind of like you just want to say, you know, why not, right? You're right there. So they have this conversation, the conversation breaks off and they, they stop talking and they're, they're kind of separated for a few minutes and, and by some strange phenomenon the, the storytellers aren't quite sure how it happened. The man that Hudson Taylor was speaking with fell overboard into the river. And the boat that he's on, the folks there are not real concerned apparently about what happens. They're just continuing to motor down the river. So Hudson Taylor jumps into the water to save his newfound friend. And the guy's under the water. He can't find him. He can't see him. So now he's frantic. He's trying to to motion for somebody to come and help. And he sees a fishing boat just a few meters away, a few yards away. And he motions for the boat and the guys are like, we're busy fishing. (laughs) And he says, I'll pay you. How much? I'll, I'll pay you $5. That's not enough. Really, and he's, he's literally in the water trying to save a drowning man, bargaining with these people to try to get him to help. He finally offers to give him everything in his pocket. It's about $14. And so they throw out their nets and they drag the net and they pull the guy up. And it's too late. He's drowned. And I want to read you the account as I finish up this story this morning with this challenge. Are we too busy with our jobs and other activities to take the time to rescue those who are perishing without Christ? The Lord commands me and he commands you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Shall we say to him, no, it's not convenient? Shall we tell him we are busy at fishing or other business and cannot go? Let us pray and let us labor for the salvation of the unreached millions. Hudson Taylor believed that only by fervent prayer could the cold hearts of Christians be fanned into a flame of concern on behalf of a lost world for which Christ died. I want to challenge you with this and then I'm going to be finished. Let it never be said of Rosemont Baptist Church that we didn't have the workers to go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this clear teaching. We thank you, Father, for the, the conviction that you've placed upon our hearts. We thank you, Father, that you have given us just a, a a model here of reaching people. And it begins, Father, with recognizing the need, understanding that the harvest is plentiful, Father, but the, the, the failure on our part is we don't have enough people to go, Father. So I pray right now that you would just convict the hearts of people. You would just speak to them very clearly, Father. You would help them understand the great need and you would give them a desire to go and a desire to pray. And I pray, Father, through our efforts that we would reach people in this community. I pray through our efforts, Father, we would love people in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray through all the things we do, you would be honored and you'd be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity for the next couple of minutes if you want to come and pray at the altar. Maybe you want to pray about your place of service, whatever that looks like, about being missional. Maybe there's a lost person on your heart you need to be praying for right now. We're going to give you the chance to do that. We're going to give you the chance to join our church, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your time now as we sing together. You respond. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you.